Welcome to another episode of The Pity Party. This is our third podcast. We are three Muslim Canadian women with disabilities living in the greater Toronto area, coming from different lands and cultures, with a combined experience of over 150 years to share with you today. I'm Rabia and I'm blind. I'm Rafia and I'm in a wheelchair. I'm Umaya and I am in a wheelchair too. So today we are going to talk about, we always talk about what's happening around us, what those headline issues are. And one of those headline issues that should be a headline 365 days of the year is uh, truth and reconciliation. That is, you know, uh, recommendations made in a, in a report in consultation with our Indigenous First Nations and Métis communities about how we can acknowledge the past and move on toward a better future. So Canada was occupied by European forces. It is a settler country and we are settlers in this land. Turtle Island was the original homeland of various indigenous peoples. And being based out of Mississauga, the greater Toronto region, these regions were most recently the home traditional homelands of the Mississaugas of the New Credit. So truth and reconciliation. Well, Canada finally, the federal government finally declared September 30th, 2021, as a national holiday. Unfortunately, most of our provinces or any of our provinces haven't necessarily done the same. Actually, I'm not up on my provinces, so I'm actually not sure. But here in Ontario, we certainly did not adopt it as a holiday. It's not a holiday to so-called celebrate. It's a holiday to reflect, to think about what happened in the past, the wrongs that were done, and commit to making the future right. So people with disabilities were also wronged historically. We were institutionalized, but we were given rights through our human rights codes, through the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, uh, through the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities. And we've moved on to accessibility legislations in provinces and federally. However, our government continued to fight any compensation for residential school survivors. Residential schools were where children from Indigenous communities were taken and forced to live, to strip them of their identity, their language, their beliefs, their culture, their way of knowing and being. People with disabilities were put in residences as well, in residential schools, but we shut down those schools and we shut down those institutions. We continue to have Indigenous people living on reserves and in some cases, without 
safe housing, without clean drinking water, third world conditions in a first world nation. We as people with disabilities coming from newcomer communities have had very little interaction with Indigenous people. We've just recently started to learn more and more about them. And we want to know more. We want to know more about our brothers and sisters from Indigenous communities. We care about what happens to people around the world, Indigenous people in other lands around the world, especially if they're Muslim. And yet we ignore the realities in our own backyard of our Indigenous sisters and brothers. So ladies, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what do you know about our Indigenous neighbours? Rabia, for me, <clears throat> first of all, it's very important for us, for me as an immigrant woman, as a Muslim woman, as a non-Indigenous person, to for this day to educate ourselves on the issues and acknowledge that it it is a very, very painful past and a lot of trauma for those who experience this, the, the Aboriginal community. And, and it's something that we we don't know. Um, we ourselves as, as immigrant women, as, as, as Muslim women, we don't have as many interaction with the Aboriginal community as, as much, right? But the one of the parallels that we can bring is the whole issue of the institutionalization, as you mentioned, of people with disability. And that's been a really painful past in our history in the disability community. Grave injustices have been done. And, and that's where we need to advocate for these systemic issues facing the in, uh, Aboriginal community. And, and, and that this whole oppression against people is where we, we come in sol solidarity with the community. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and thank you, Rafia. Like, as an immigrant uh, woman with disabilities, I feel, uh, I can feel, I can really relate because I'm all the fight is to have an identity. Like first, like to be, uh, you, my fight and our fight is to be recognized yeah. as like human beings, right? And uh, also like as women. And then I can, I can never imagine, like I don't know much about indigenous people. Like I only learned whatever the media volunteer, right? About the information. I didn't have a chance to have like a, a firsthand experience, uh, but uh, I'm, I'm ready to learn and I'm ready to educate myself, right? And, and my family. And because there's a lot of injustice that happened, right? And to our job, it's to recognize those and to help make it right, you know. Um, I know some stuff you can't really, you can't repair, it's beyond repair, but it's like we, we need, at, at a minimum, we need to acknowledge what happened and put an attempt in place, real attempts to make it right for the people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, mm -hmm. you know, I remember a story and I'm sure we've all had these experiences where we've been asked or told, go back to where you came from or, you know, where are you from? Because people assume that we dress this way or, you know, especially, you know, if you're in a wheelchair or something, you're, you're facing double, triple whammies, you're a person of color. They, they make assumptions that we're not, we don't belong here. When I hear stories from our Indigenous sisters and brothers about 
being made to feel that they don't belong here, it breaks my heart. It It like I, I feel this deep, deep, deep sorrow that I don't know how to resolve. And I mean, a story that comes to mind to me is a young man uh, spoke, you know, I I served as a human rights commissioner in Ontario, and that's where we had some opportunities to learn directly from First Nations folks. And I met um, a young man who talked about his mother moving him into a city off reserve because she wanted him to go to school. And when he went to school, the kids, the boys on the playground were saying to him, where are you from? And he was like, here. And they said, no, no, no. Where are you really from? And he said, here. And they said to him again, where are your parents from? Here. Your grandparents. Here. They said, no, they're not. He said, I'm Canadian. And they were like, no, you're not. And then he finally said, I'm Indian. And they said to him, no, you're not. We're Indian. So even colonialism applied language to our Indigenous people that they have, you know, sometimes felt compelled to use in order to help people understand who they are. And yet they're not Indian. That is true. So this child was so confused and went home to his mother and said, who am I? And I can't imagine my kids being forced to do that. Like we're mothers, we have children and our children are born here. They don't belong anywhere else. It would it would pain us for them to hear where are they from, and for someone yeah. not to accept that they're from. Yeah. Here. For that question, Rabia, like early on, I used to give all the spiel, like where I'm from, and I answer all the questions that I get. Then later in life, again, I got tired. I don't want to go through the whole thing again. So then when they ask me where you're from, I say from Mississauga, and they look at me again, like you know what am I talking about? Like, yeah, exactly. Like we mean where from? I say Medvale. It's north. It's like by, you know, so so and so <laughs> intersection, right? And I blew their mind because they, you know, it's uh yeah. It's it's sad. Like, I know it's sad and I know I'm trying to make the humor out of it just to keep it on the light side because the, the situation is really, you know, yeah. it's really sad. I, I remember I, well, all the time, all the time. But this is, um, I remember the very, very first time I experienced um, racism in Canada. It was it was at the Eaton Center. And I it, I just came here about a couple, a couple of days. Yeah, a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah. And I, I, we were going to the Eaton Center and we were there. And then someone looked at me and they said, Packy. Oh, yeah. my God. And it's like. and they were looking at me so i know it's me all all i experienced was this sound and it's like echoing 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 and they said it with such hatred and such like really really um hurtful and very nasty way you know and i'm like all i could hear is this echoing echoing sound and i'm like becoming so tiny 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 and this sound is becoming so big and this person be, it was such a oh my god it was such a humiliating experience yeah. I, I've well, never, i had that when I, when I was a kid you know going to public school on the playground kids calling me packy all the time and me feeling like you know in in urdu or punjabi it's not a dirty word it's a good word and yet they were applying it in this 
you know, derogatory way. And I came home, you know, feeling like I don't belong here. I cried feeling that I don't belong here. And yet I don't know where else I belong. I faced that in my neighborhood as well. Do you want to laugh? I was called that. And I didn't know it mean a bad thing. I did not know it's a racist thing. So I didn't react, right? And it took me forever until, you know, until I realized that, oh, this is like, this is that, right? So it's like, like, yeah, and you're the irony, right? Like, <laughs> you could call things and you're supposed to have a reaction, but I did not have a reaction because I didn't understand what they're talking about, right? So, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, another story I have, one girl, small story, actually. Uh, she's born here, right? Like our, our kids, right? And they ask her, sometimes they tell her, go back where you came from. She said, I'm going to go to Credit Valley Hospital because that's the Credit Valley Hospital. That's when she was born, right? She said, I came through Credit Valley, so I, th- I guess I got to go back through that, right? My best one, my best one was I just graduated university and decided to wear a hijab. And I went to a conference of educators uh, around, you know, um, special education, as they call it. I hate that term special, but, you know. Um, and I went with somebody from the university uh, who used to do access- accessible technology. And, you know, she was a tall European background white woman. And there was me. And we were going through this trade show with assistive devices and educational literature and things like that. And there was this woman with, with you know, a, 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 an American accent, I could clearly tell. And she says to me, so where are you from? And I I said, innocently, because this was in Waterloo, I said, I'm from Mississauga. And there was this pause. And I don't do well with pauses. I have to fill pauses. So I said, where do you think I'm from? And she said, oh, I thought you were from Iran or Saudi Arabia or something. And I was floored. And then my friend afterwards laughed. She goes, she's like, you should have seen the look on her face when you said Mississauga. (laughs) <laughs> just outside of Toronto. So language really matters. Um, and and exclusion can happen so easily. The lack of belonging can happen so easily. And it really leaves a, a huge impact on us. And we have 150 years of stories to tell around it, given our lived experience. So on that note, ladies, any closing comments? Um, we uh, can you imagine a world where indigenous people, black people, marginalized people, you know, uh, and, and and people with disabilities are free from this oppression and this carceral systems, yeah. and you know, there's so many of our indig- indigenous brothers and sisters who are missing, who are in prison. Like, there's so much that has to be done, and there there's over one, uh, there's uh, I think 94 calls to action. Yeah. from the indigenous community and i and we are in solidarity with this with our community with the indigenous community and support them in 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 freeing themselves and from this oppression yeah i think i think we should continue like we should continue these talks we should continue voicing our what we think and what we feel and we should really be continuing and we should be in solidarity to, to, uh, to get justice, like uh, to remove the injustice and to acknowledge any injustice that happened to anybody. We're all human. We all deserve to live a decent, dignified life. And we need to make sure it happens, you know? Yeah. 
So we will continue this conversation with more headlines and reflections and lived experience. Tune in to the next episode of The Pity Party. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for watching.